Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. A demon's tale written by a glass of whiskey. He just sat there and laughed. Once again, sulfur tears pour from the poor demon's eyes. And once again, the barman tried his best to comfort him. With a smooth motion of his fiery tail, he patted him on the shoulder. There, there, it can't have been all that bad. We always get someone. You don't get it. This new species, they're just, uh... His voice died away as he stared deep into his drink as if the bottom held all the answers. A quick throw on the glass in the air, followed by a clunking of fiery liquid within, proved his search to be futile. Another one. The barman looked at the poor man. He had been sobbing since he got here. Barely got a cohesive word out of him, but with the magic of fire liquid, he could now speak entire sentences before breaking down. Here you go, this one's on me. The burning eyes darted upwards. Really? Just one thing in return. What happened? I just said uh, he sat there and laughed. And laughed. Yes, yes, but from the beginning. Focus! The barman put down the liquid in front of him with more than force than strictly necessary. So please, what happened? He took a deep breath. You have heard about this new species, uh, the humans, right? Oh, can't say that I have. Soon you will, mark my words. They just laughed and laughed at... Sorry, please. Oh, sorry. An apologizing, sobbing demon. What was this world coming to... It began as any other day. A new species had just got the standard ceremony stuff from the Unity, so we were fair game, deals and all of that. Anyway, I got there not soon after and materialized inside one of the most powerful institutions. You know how it is. Yes, the more power, the more hunger. Classic. That's right, classic textbook example, really. Except the textbook doesn't mention what to do when the people don't run and scream, when people instead sit down, look at you with a focused and serious expression, and sweet honey-filled words wonder what they can do for you. Not even a whimper. No, nothing. No, so anyway, I think fine, unusual, but let's cut to the chase. Maybe I can go home early. So I bring out the most terrible contracts, a wretched thing really, but I wanted to impress the new species. He nodded along, a new species always got the worst deals, helped put them in their place. And he took one look at it and laughed. He laughed, and then he brought out other people over, and they started to laugh and laugh. And did he sign it? Yes, they all did. There you go. Sure, the laughing might have been uncomfortable for, but, um, you don't get it. They didn't stop laughing once they had signed it. That's impossible. No being can sign away all of its empathy, its soul, and then laugh about it. They could. They even said that it could help with the job. What kind of beings employ people who, um, 
What was the job? I, uh, I don't know. As soon as the contract was signed, I gave the powers and got away from there as fast as I, my tail could bear. But I do know one thing. The building, yes, it has these large letters on the outside. Yes, what did it say? Goldman Sachs. End of story. Story number two, The Attaché, written by Sevrons. Respectfully, that is a horrid idea, Commandant. What do you mean by that? Special Warfare Intel Major Chantral Masaduma picked the pen up from Commandant Tefan's desk. He twirled it about his lanky, single-joint finger with a careless attitude only permitted by members of the Special Warfare groups. In a fight they'd beat us, I wouldn't want to fight them, laughed the Major. Propaganda, spat the Commandant, his blue glowing eyes darkening to a critical purple. No species had claimed victory over the bear, let alone a combined species of the Caster Belt Military Alliance. Facts, retorted the Medistuma. He uncrossed his cartilaginous legs and leaned forward, his elbows on his quads. They built for war, Commandant. They're psychopaths. They don't play by our rules. He took a hollow slate from the table and attached the Staten node. Green-hued Buric runes circled about the vertical projector as Miss Duma placed the table, illuminating the darkened and blacked-out security office. Commandant Tefan began to peruse the contents, case files, home cam videos, physical studies. The phosphorescence on the face slowly darkened as Miss findings more clear to him. Major Ms. Duma ran a medical scan on Staff Sergeant Cornell as he squatted in a shell hole. Cornell had looked at Bayer with a mildly distasteful look. Look, Major, I appreciate you trying to look after me on the eve of battle, but can I at least enjoy my combat dump without half of the dozen eyes staring at me? Ms. Duma nodded sagely, completing his scan and returning to the vehicles. Miss Duma was fascinated by human physiology and terrified by human mentality. The lower abdomen was akin to a hazardous waste site. The human body subconsciously dubbed these toxins from before the deadly situation to protect against wound infection and in the event of catastrophic injury. Fascinating. The thing that perplexed Midstuma the most was, while he and most of the other Bayer carried themselves into battle with back-mounted energy shield, the humans charged in with nothing more than alloy plates strapped around their most vital organs. If they adopted a more advanced technology, they wouldn't have to do what that staff sergeant had just done. They would be fully protected against almost stray small-arms fire. When pushed for an answer on why he preferred such an antiquated protection was, to quote the Sergeant Connell, Once the shield goes down, you've got a rock full of crap that you can't use. In this exchange, the Sergeant paused, moving the toxic tobacco shregs from around his gums. A quick scan of his brain elicited a dopamine release. Thus, we don't play by your rules. The drug use as minimal protection of the troops was a breach of military arms treaties and warriors' rights documents. It's all about not getting shot, Major. He grinned madly before boarding the gun buggy. Upon reaching this point in the tape, the commandant paused. Plates. Metal plates, he said, bewildered. Yes. 
How, he questioned, steel hardly protected against the radio beams that the Bayer used. The radiation particles would shoot right through. Not only that, but their notably toxic guts were exposed, as well as their limbs. Are we not able to kill an unshielded foe? Is their flesh undying? Fundy, you should mention that, Mitsuma waved a finger, spinning the hologram display to a particular video file. He turned the volume down in preparation for the recorded gunfire soon to come. The hologram showed Mitsuma's point of view as the human recondo element made direct contact with the Torig Royal Guard. Connell's unit had been used to do stopping action, shooting from the eastern flank and down on the fleeing hostiles that 11th Armored made the primary push. You mean they deployed without any sort of direct heavy armor assistance? Yep, outnumbered 8 to 1. I was there, yes, Commandant, replied the Major, clearly annoyed by the Commandant's disbelief. He played the video on the scene. A human soldier was hit with a flak burst. The shell exploded eight feet in front of him, and he was showered in burning hot shrapnel. He was thrown to the floor and bloodied. If any sort of shieldless spear soldier had been hit with that, he would have been shredded. Limbs would be flying. However, the human screamed and simply stood back up, returning fire. The soldier was bloodied, but alive. Not only a lie, but fighting. The Major spoke over the video. When the fight or flight response within the humans is activated, their skin cools. The Major reached over the hologram and flipped it to thermals. The skin temperature of all the humans had dropped considerably below normal. This is due to a phenomenon called vasoconstriction. When adrenaline is released, their arteries close considerably, limiting blood flow to the skin level. Instead, blood is redirected to the core, he said, playing the video once more. The view screen showed the soldier being dragged by the plate carrier over behind the safety of the raised road. This effectively prepares the human body to suck up damage. It allows humans such as the PFC Morley here to sustain what seem to be life-ending injuries, but stay in the fight long enough to finish it. He motioned to the screen once more. Torig attack craft strafed the squad's positions with the 50 caliber slug throwers returned fire at the craft, cutting through thermic shields like hot blades through weakened steel. In the background, there was a scream. The Major's view panned and focused on PFC Morley. At least four-fifths of him, his leg below the knee was nowhere to be found, only a cleanly burning stump. Morley was already being tied off by the squadmate's tourniquet and dragged to safety. Their bodies are designed to take that, murmured the commandant. He survived, confirmed the major, and resumed fighting four days later with the prosthesis. How did they not rout? Trained humans don't rout, grumbled the special warfare ancient. That's a freaking lie, raved the commandant, laughing. Every species routed, even the bear knew when to call it quits. It was instinctual, it was a survival reflex. You could not not rout. Bayer pulled up a human brain diagram. Vasoconstriction isn't only regulated to organs. He said, slowly, brain activity began to dwindle out of the outer portions of the brain. When one human dies, it triggers something in other humans' brains. It's a self-preservation reflex. They stop thinking logically and socially do exactly what they are programmed to do. The commandant's eyes were simply dim white now. 
clearly upset. Programmed? Mm-hmm. They are programmed to fight and kill. Programmed, he repeated. It is the training. They use it like a pop-up targets to train the immediate and deadly response to danger. That's abuse, growled the commandant. The bayer had no such forcible training. Martial training was done at home, taught by a militant member of the family, had allowed them to cut costs and raise a quick army. Effective abuse produces effective warriors, sir, said Miss Duma. He glared at the reminding of the commandant that he had endured an equally arduous and meritorious special warfare training. Rewiring a beam like that is a violation of the Chukskutrum treaties. So is not equipping your soldiers with proper armor and using heavy kinetic weapons and getting off the Toric successionists with the flame weapons, sighed the Major, putting up a video showing screaming humans and screaming Torigs. The difference between them was that the Torigs were on fire. The humans were shooting them as they sprinted out of the burning building. But Mal, swore the Commandant, staring silently at the war crimes happening on his desk. I strongly recommend against going to the War Council over the mining embargo, sir, said Miss Duma with a serious tone. The normally easygoing special warfare agent was staring beams into the Commandant. Miss Duma was a warrior, but the entire species was in danger and in the hands of one Tefon. You doubt our military might, Miss Duma, mused the Commandant, using the Major's first name. That's treason, you know. If I didn't like you, I could have you terminated. He looked at him out of the corner of his eye. Major Mistuma shut off the hollow slate. In my time as a human attaché, I witnessed the humans force the Torix to capitulate Zing 4-2, outnumbered 8-1, to with only chemical slug throwers and steel plates. In twelve local days, he stated matter-of-factly, folding his hands. The Torix were notorious siege defenders. Any species that could pull off a gambit like that was not to be frecked with. Plain and simple. And the native Torics loved their new leaders, despite the war crimes. He added with a chuckle. He turned to the series once more. They'll freak us up, Teffen. The commandant considered Miss Duma's words. Even against the entire coastal belt, Miss Duma sighed. Sir, he paused, taking a breath with exasperation for how thick-headed the commander's being... These humans didn't even have a stake in the Torig insurrection. They were there to support the civilians. Most of the soldiers were wondering what the frick they were doing there. He paused for a moment and stared at the seeding stuck work. And you want to give them a reason to fight? Respectfully, is your brain deformed? The commandant nodded. Admitting weakness would cause a collapse of our power, the cost of belt would... I freaking told you, they don't play by our rules, first Mitsuma. Have you ever experienced genocide, Commander? chimed Mitsuma rhetorically. Tefon looked mortified, but he held his vocalizers. These humans practice it on each other. Do not give them a reason to apply it to us, ordered Mitsuma. You're out of line, Major, the Commandant stood up, rage boiling in his capillaries. And it seems, Miss Duma paused and looked at the human watch. The commandant cocked an eyebrow at such a thing. You're out of time, commandant. Miss Duma stood up and pulled out a sidearm, holding it at arm's length to the commandant's forehead. Treason, he yelled, backing up. He knew Miss Duma was a loose cannon. Nope. Genocide prevention, commandant. 
said the human female voice. Slowly, the hologram of Mistuma gave way to a human female. She took a Bayer pheromone simulator off of her belt and tossed it over her shoulder. She wouldn't be needing that anymore. She shook her head. I tried the peaceful route, she said angrily. Where's Mitsuma? hissed the commandant, searching his belt for the non-existent pistol. Caught him spying, took the neat disguise rig from him, though. It was a huge help, she said sarcastically, looking at his suit and golfer hands with hollow nodes. At that moment, the commandant noticed her wearing a Bayer's special warfare visual mimicry rig. The commandant held up his hands. Now, human, this is a massive breach of the Trockstrain Treaties. Assassination of officers is strictly prohibited. Screening technology prohibited. Political espionage prohibited. This is a massive war crime. The cycling of the human agent's pistols cut him off. Warrant officer Angela Martinez exhaled from her nose wryly as she began to leave the room. We don't play by your rules, commandant. She paused, looking at the corpse. We're psychopaths. Mitsuma told me so. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.